You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow us, Bright City Church, on Instagram. Today's message is from a friend of Bright City, and we know you're going to love it. Well, hey, this morning, is it's kind of like Bright City and Friends. So Jordan and Noah were up there leading us in worship. This morning, I have an amazing, amazing treat for you. Um, about a few years back, um, my wife turned to me, and this will, this will be one of those things where you're like, okay, this is going to be sweet. And, and it was sweet. Uh, but my wife turned to me, and she was like, hey, um, you need counseling. You need to see someone. I'm like, okay, all right. It's nice to see you too. And um, yeah, all right. So then, like, a week passed, and she's like, hey, so uh, how's that counseling going? And I'm like, oh, so you still remember. Okay, that's a thing. You still remember that I need counseling. And I said, I tell you what, I'm going to pray about it. That's like the cop-out, right? Like, I'm going to pray about it. Let me, let me pray about it. And so then you're hoping that she forgets, like, again. And so anyway, a week later, she comes back and she says, hey, tell me, what's going on? Counseling, how's it going? And I was like, well, it's funny that you should mention that because I felt like I actually, this is what happens when you actually pray about stuff. Anybody have those moments where you're like, oh, I actually prayed about it and God, like, actually told me what to do? It's not just like a Southern saying in the South. Um, but I prayed about it, and I was like, I think I'm supposed to reach out to Pastor Michael. And this is Pastor Michael. Pastor Michael, raise your hand right here. Um, Forty-something years in ministry, uh, about three or four years into counseling. And I think when I, God was speaking to me, I think God was speaking to you, and you can share your half of the story. Maybe there's some things you need to confess to the people that, about me and how I'm needy and all the things. But uh, he just said, that's crazy that you should mention that because I was praying for pastors to counsel. And so I was like, what in the world? God, won't he do it? So anyway, we have just developed this amazing relationship. And uh, not only does it help me become uh, a better father and husband, but it's helping me uh, lead you guys because um, the last few years for pastors has been really hard. I, I keep meeting pastors who are have shut their doors or who just are not in ministry anymore or anything like that. And my heart is to be with you guys um, until Jesus calls me home or whatever. And, and I just, I know that he helps me do that. And he's always pointing me to Jesus. He's always asking how I'm doing. And he's always encouraging me. He has a spirit of Caleb. Like he went to get his master's just recently. Like, I still can't even talk about school. I'm like, yeah, I did school, and I don't want to talk about it ever again. He just went back to get his master's, and he's been doing a great job in counseling. So will you guys help me welcome Pastor Michael? Me? There we go. Great. Well, good morning. Got a little bit of an echo, brother? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming. Uh, I'm honored to stand before you for many reasons. I think if this is your first time here uh, to Bright City, you and I have a lot in common because this is actually my first <laughs> service here, and I've been here visiting with Nick before. But I, I want to say 
this is an incredible man of God. Now, I could get in the, the wherewithal, and he says, go ahead. No, no, I, we're in a professional relationship from that perspective. So ethnically and professionally, <laughs> you're not going to hear any of that. But I just want you to know, as a pastor and his incredible wife that walks with him and his children, just give you a little quick story. Standing here this morning praying around 9.30, 9.45, and all of a sudden this little girl in the back just starts praying. And I look back and it's their daughter. I thought, wow, that speaks volumes. The impact that they've had in their own children. And I know many of you have been touched by them. If you haven't met them, I encourage you to spend time with them because they're the real deal. And I believe God's called them here to lead you. And what an honor to spend time with them as well and help them as well. What a joy. So thanks for being here. Would you join me by coming to our crib? Cindy and I, she couldn't make it today. She had another situation. We live out in the sticks. And we have these rocking chairs. And we love to sit on the rocking chair, sit on the front porch and just rock. So for the next few moments, I'm going to invite you just to come and just to relax and just to rest. And allow the Lord to speak to you. Let God show you some things that maybe you're dealing with that he wants to help you unpack or process. Because I believe today one of the greatest needs that we have in our country and the world is seeing the healthy of a well-being of a person who's mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually fit. I went back to school about six years ago because I wanted to get better with what I do. And I looked at the pastoral counseling route, but then I looked at the professional. I've, I told <clears throat> Pastor Debbie, who's here, uh, Jesse's mom, and Gibson, her husband, I said, one thing for sure I've learned, I don't know a daggum thing. <laughs> and I've been doing this for years in the pastoral realm. But to be able to have an opportunity to look through different lenses and seeing the need to see, am I healthy? Am I growing? Am I strong? Because physically we can eat, drink the right thing. And, you know, if you drink coffee, I'll pray for you because I think it's battery acid. But I I grew up in a restaurant. My mom and dad were kind of ruthless growing up. They only fed us one meal a day. But it was all day long because we loved to eat. So I'd make coffee. I never required a taste, but praise God, you love it. That's good. God made it too, right? Amen? Amen. So um, the willingness to take on the perspective that not only physically I get the rest, exercise, I'm going to have a healthy lunch hopefully later today, but how about spiritually? Well, to me, the, 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 the thread, I call it a scarlet thread, is just woven through everything we do because God wants to be a part of everything we do. And here's the thing about the Lord I love. He's such a gentleman. He won't force himself on any of us. But if we want it, he's all in. What I want to approach with you today from a biblical perspective, though, is your mental and emotional health. Specifically, it ties into your soul. Your soul. But let me just lay some foundations for that before I jump into a full blast. And let me, very simple perspective that many of us may already know and comprehend. But I'm just going to lay some, and there's so much I could go here with, but I'm just going to give you some basics. First of all, do you realize that we were made in the image of God? 
Genesis tells us in chapter 1, he says it, and I'll read it from the Amplified. He says, so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Wow. Do you realize in knowing that, that we're one of his kids? We get to be a part of his family. I, I love family. We have three incredible children and two unique son-in-laws and one great daughter-in-law. And we have our fourth grandchild's coming here in a few months. We're so pumped to see and meet that little guy. But to know that we were told, again, I'm going to be, is it okay if we be a little transparent with you? I don't want to get too self-disclosing. But I go ahead and tell you right now, <clears throat> being a former athlete, I thought I was a big guy and could handle all kinds of things. And yet I realized when I wanted to have a baby, we couldn't have him. <laughs> and I was the fault. You talk about hitting a man's ego, a man's hurt and pain. Because my wife pined, pined to have children. And yet God had a plan in the midst of all that. Because he gave us three incredible kids. By the way, all three of them have served in the military. So when you laid your head on the pillow at night, you got, you're covered air, land, and sea. Because one was in Coast Guard, one was, now the other one's still in the Army. She flies a Blackhawk, she couldn't drive a stick shift truck in high school, flies a daggone Blackhawk. <laughs> <clears throat> and then our son has been in the Air Force. He just separated. He flew the C-17. And so seeing our kids, am I proud of them? Yes. Did I, don't, I love my kids? Yes. But I also like my kids. So I made that image. Secondly, is known this in the foundation basic is that we have been invited into a covenant relationship with him. Did you hear what I said? Invited. Covenant. We've been invited to his story. I love what Jeremiah says in verse 33 of verse chapter 31. Jeremiah 31, 33. This is a covenant I have made with you, the people of Israel, after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts, or excuse me, in their minds, and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Wow. What a blessing. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says this from the NIV, for we are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. That's a covenant relationship. A couple basics. Let me give you one more. Do you realize the Lord has something to say to us? Does he want to speak today? Can I tell you, Jordan and Noah led us into that presence, the word God spoke to us through song and worship. And I'm going to illustrate that further in a minute. But to know that he speaks through what? He speaks through his word. He will speak through his word. He'll speak through an experience of having kids like we did. But he'll also speak through someone else. Someone else. I'll never forget standing in the foyer of Seacoast one Sunday morning, and, see, and this dude came out. I knew he was a rookie or new kid on the block. He hadn't been here before, and he, he came up to me and said, hey, mister. I said, yes, sir. Are you somebody? And I said, well, I am somebody, but there's somebody you may need to know. Let me know. He said, I just want to know who told that man in there about me. I said, what are you talking about? Well, that man that stood on that platform in there, he was like he read my mail. I said, I need to tell you, the man just doesn't play golf all weekend and do weekend seminars. He had something to say to you, and God spoke through him. The fourth way I encourage you to consider that still, small voice. 
The American, the American standard says it is what? A gentle whisper. So God wants to speak through his word. Those are ba- basic foundations. In fact, let me read what, how he spoke to Abram <clears throat> in Genesis 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not fear, Abram. I'm a shield to you. Your reward will be great. And he was telling him he would have a son. God speaks. Now let me give you some psychological perspective, foundational insights. I gleaned this from one of my guys that I have a lot of build a relationship with, Pastor Chip. He says, understanding how the way we are and some underlying factors have influenced and marked us. See if you agree with this. Your genetic and, and multi-generational predisposition. Let me say that again. Your genetic and multi-generational predisposition simply boils down to this. You didn't pick your parents, and they didn't pick you. Anybody get that choice? Secondly, we're imprinted. Those imprints, in a lot of ways, determine who we are. And in most cases, that will happen by age seven. Your personalities develop, things are flowing through it. And the third perspective from a psychological understanding is that it's all the next step is all about choices. The rest of our life, you chose to get out of the crib this morning and come here today. You chose to come and sit with me on my front porch and we're sitting in the rocket and we're unpacking some things. You chose to get that stuff that you drink or what you're going to eat later today. You chose everything. But sometimes people look at choices as power and some of this power can be unhealthy. So consider in making healthy decisions. So I lay that foundation as an introduction. Let me ask you a simple question. How's your soul today? How is your soul today? Some basics of that as well. When you gave your life to Christ, Jesus said he came into your heart, became what? Your savior, which means he took care of your eternal salvation. When you take your last breath, if you surrender your life to Christ, you will be in the presence of the Most High God. There is nothing sweeter. Can I get an amen to that? He also came in with the perspective that he wanted to be Lord. When I was younger in my walk with the Lord, I used to say, when he's Lord, I'm going to give him control of my life. It's not about control. To me, that's a negative connotation. I say it today, he wants to be the leader of my life. He wants to partner with me. He wants to lead and guide me, and he wants to be in the thick of it with everything. I do. Because that's who he is. Who he is. Well, guess what else? He brought with him the Holy Spirit. That's pretty simple. You know that, right? Well, the Holy Spirit came in and sealed your spirit. Guess what he brought with him? The fruit of the Spirit. You mean to tell me when I'm driving on Highway 17 later today, going home off of Highway 41, and some lady pulls out in front of me, and I want to say, in the name of Jesus, Lord, what is she doing? Hold up a sign that shows a picture. Of, I'm going to date some of y'all because some of you have never heard of this person. Hold up a sign that shows the bozo the clown. I'm going to pull up right beside them and say, look, lady, look. Oh, Jordan, you're driving. Go, look, that's you, bozo, right? Right? Cindy says, my wife said, Michael, they're going to take out a gun and shoot you. And I said, you know what? I thought about that, Cindy. I'm more concerned about not getting shot, except I pull up beside them and I say, well, hey, Pastor Michael, how you doing, man? <laughs> Because that influence, the Holy Spirit, self-control. But the soul, 
we're going to unpack that with you, is even more what God wants us to examine as Christ followers. This is pretty sobering, if I can. Matthew 16, 26 says, For what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? Let me, let me invite you to consider this about your soul. When I'm referring to that, I'm not talking about some ill-defined, unstructured, soft-around-the-edges sort of thing. I'm talking about the part of you that is most real, the very essence of who, of you that God knew before he brought you forth in physical form. Do you realize before the beginning of time, he already thought about you to live such a time as this? It's, it's, it's the part of you that will exist long after our body is placed into the ground. This is the you that exists beyond any role that you play, any job you perform, any relationship that seems to be defined you, or notoriety or success you may have achieved. It is the part of you that longs for more of God than you have right now, and that may say even now, today, if we're honest with one another, be aware of the missing God amid the challenges of life we're all facing. Bob Mulholland says this, it's the place where God is present to you. Wow. What is the soul? It's my mind. It's my thinking. It's my mental attitude. It's my thought processes. What is my soul? It's my emotions. It's my heart. It's how I feel. What's my soul? It's my will. What I choose to take forth my behavior that's real. Can I go and share with you some of the symptoms I've found where people have neglected their soul? Is that okay? You may relate to some of these. Consider some of these. And there's, there's this, the list is exhausting, but how about this? Self-absorption. How about apathy? I can't imagine me getting this later today. Toxic anger, because that lady pulls out in front of me. Physical fatigue, isolation, a stronger temptation to sin. That's an unhealthy soul. Feelings of desperation, panic, insecurity. How about a judgmental attitude? How about a lack for the desire of God? Sadness, and yes, fear. We're living in a society right now that's very fearful. But one other one I want to unpack with you for just a moment is shame. One, one researcher says this, shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we're flawed and therefore, watch this, unworthy of love, belonging, and connection. Shame is the fear of disconnection. It's the fear that we're not lived up to, we've not lived up to or gold, well, let me say it this way, we've not, we, things that we've, something that we've done or failed to do. Or we've not lived up to something or we have a goal that we didn't accomplish. And what's that bring? It brings an unworthiness of, of connection. Shame says this, 
You're never good enough. Shame says you didn't measure up. And as Eldridge says so well, the father wound comes many times when he says, you'll never amount to anything. That's shame. Shame also says this to us, who do you think you are? If I can illustrate even further, I think sometimes we confuse guilt and shame, but they're actually two different things. I'm guilty if I run a red light. But if I run 85 red lights, shame tells me I'm a bad driver. I'm a bad person. And if I believe that lie, it's gonna bring an unhealthiness. Are you tracking? Are you with me? And seeing from that perspective, well, let, me, let me make it even simpler for you. How many of you have one of these things? Can you see it's kind of dark? Well, here, I'll get, see if I can better, I don't think I'll get a better one. Because oh, this one, this one right here is, this is the one that <clears throat> I can take you all to dinner. Well, I used to be able to, because it says Seacoast Church on there. And this is my Seacoast credit card. You know, and I used to be able to take you out to lunch and hang out with you, but it's called a credit card, right? Let me give you a comparison with what we're talking about and understanding a loss too great. Losing your soul is sort of like losing my credit card. You think it's in your wallet or purse, so you don't, give, <clears throat> so you don't even give it much thought until one day you reach in, and what do you do? You look for it, and you can't find it. The minute you realize it's gone, what do you start scrambling to find it, trying to remember when you last used it, or at least had it in your possession? Would you agree? No matter what is going on in your life, you have to stop and look for it because otherwise you could be what? Have major damage done to you. Oh, that we would feel the same sense of urgency when we become aware that we have lost our soul. Wow. So that's the unhealthiness, but there's great news. Let me give you some symptoms of a healthy soul. It's the love, the joy, the compassion, giving and receiving grace. It's peace, it's generosity of spirit, it's discernment, it's ability to trust, humility, creativity, vision, balance, hope, empathy. Have you ever done much study or thoughts about empathy? Let me illustrate that further. Empathy is not connecting to an experience. It's connecting to the emotions that underpin an experience. Empathy many times is confused with sympathy, giving advice and judgment disguised as concern. Watch this. Empathy is feeling with people while sympathy is feeling for them. Empathy fuels connection while sympathy drives disconnection. I love that quote from Brene Brown. Empathy simply says this, the, most, the two most powerful words when someone struggles is, me too. Empathy is, Nick, I can't imagine how hard it was for you the other day, which you, that story you told me about, but I'm so glad you told me. And Nick, I want you to know that I'm here for you. 
That's empathy. Not that I have to fix it or I have to have an answer. How many of you go to funerals? And you've been to some, I'm sure, and you don't know what to say. Can I go and tell you? You don't have to say anything. The ministry of presence. That's a healthy soul. But I want to break it down even further because I want to challenge into your thinking a practical way to get a hold of what it means to have a healthy soul. And the first is simply understanding this, to develop a thinking process by partnering with the mind of Christ. A thinking process by partnering with the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us this, for who has known the mind and purpose of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. Wow, are you kidding me? Go even further with this. When we're challenged sometimes with situations, do you, do you ever thought about this question? Are you believing the lies more than you believe the truth? Do you believe the lies more than the truth? Because the writer of Proverbs says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he or she. How am I thinking? You mentioned, I mentioned earlier about worship. Let me give you this quote by Tim Jennings, who's a Christian psychiatrist who wrote a book called The God-Shaped Brain. He said this, not only does other-centered love increase when we worship a God of love, but sharp thinking and memory improve as well. In other words, worshiping a God of love actually stimulates the brain to heal and grow. Are you kidding me? Shut the front door. And grow when I worship. What a blessing. The mind of Christ. The second is, can I recognize and walk in my emotions through the heart of the Father's lens? Can I, can I recognize and walk in my emotions through the heart of the Father's lens? The heart, the emotion. Jeremiah 31 again says this, at that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The Lord who survived the sword will find favor in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with an unfailing kindness. Personal question. What do you put on refrigerators? Pictures and magnets. They hold up the pictures, right? Now, I don't want to get too cheesy here, but this is the God I serve. Is it okay? Can I just be a little cheesy? He went by his refrigerator today, today, and he looked and he said, I see you, man. I see you, lady. I see you, young lady. I see you, big guy. And he smiled. Those are my kids. Are you kidding me? You mess with my kids, it's like sticking your finger in your eye because it's stupid and I will hurt you. That's our God. Oh, you're not stupid. But as humans, what do we do? We have a difficult time expressing and understanding or even embracing our emotions. We try to inflate ourselves with a false confidence to make those feelings go away. Guys, I could sit with you for days. Now, I'll poke that bear because many men will tell me so many times, oh, I'm not emotional. Come on, let me hang out with you. We have been taught feelings are unreliable and not to be trusted. It's more common, however, 
to, to encounter Christians who do not believe they have permission to admit their feelings or express them openly. To me, that is alive from the pit of hell that smells of smoke. We all have that responsibility and privilege. And guess what? We can do it with one another besides doing it with him. Because to feel is what? It's to be human. To minimize or deny that we feel is a distortion, watch this, of what it means to be image bearers of our personal God. Are you kidding me? The greatest joy of him loving us. And going to the degree that we're unable to express our emotions, we remain impaired in our ability to love God, others, and ourselves as well. It's God wants that. In our heart. And what I encourage people, I'm going to tell you, I've got some people in my life that God has placed there in purpose, and I call them holy sandpaper. They drive me up the wall. And yet God has recently has challenged me. He says, Michael, I want you to look to them through my lenses, how I see them. Are you kidding me, God? What were you thinking when you made them bozos, right? I can be critical and judgmental, and I've done that. But God said, Michael, I mean, <laughs> this week, I have been struggling over a relationship with a man that I've had known for years. We have butted heads. He texted me this week and he said, Michael, can we meet? Sure. I didn't know what he wanted. And he looked me across that table and he said, Michael, are we okay? I said, brother, we're not. And I confess I have looked at you in a different way than I know God wants me to. I'm here to tell you, God healed my heart. And a weight was lifted that I had carried for months, if not even longer. Oh, I can fix this. Okay, God, I'll let you handle it. I'm not going to deal with it. No. That's how real it is to me. Because it's not only my mind, it's not only my heart, but it's my will. I engage to humble myself. I embrace who I was and am through the Holy Spirit to empower me to make wise and healthy decisions. Because you see, what truly is the role of the Holy Spirit in our journey? He comforts, he teaches, he convicts, which he did. He guides, he glorifies, he testifies. Romans 15, 13 says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. And that's a freedom to be who he's called me to be. It's to walk in his spirit, to lead more consistently from my soul, the place of where my own encounter with God, to embrace that peace and rest that he offers and seek to develop it through what? My relationships. Because to have a healthy soul, that's what it's a part as well. And what does a healthy relationship look like? It's, it's, it's at the core of the being of this truth. That we're designed for and designed by our relationships. We are born with a relentless longing to participate in the lives of others. Fundamentally, we are relational souls. We cannot not be relational. We cannot exist without connection and communion with another. And see, that connection begins with him, through my mind, through my heart, through my connection with the Holy Spirit. 
And to know this, our souls are relational at our very core. And let me get scientific with you for a moment. We are neurologically structured with an attachment system in our brains and bodies that completes us, compels us, excuse me, that compels us to connect with others. Because the Bible tells us in Romans, we really do need each other. She was 13 years old and got pregnant. Some of her family probably told her, I don't know this for sure, it's time to give up the baby. She decided to have that little guy. And when he was born, she determined, which God probably gave her wisdom, you need to set him up for adoption. He was adopted by this Presbyterian minister and his wife. <clears throat> Grew up in Fresno, California. Played high school football there. Went on to was an All-American at Fresno Junior College. Was recruited by the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And that's when I first met the, the big old Hawaiian, 5'9", had a helmet size of about 8 and 5 eighths. The boy was one incredible athlete. I remember him coming over to our home and hanging out with him. He married one of the cheerleaders at UNC, Chapel Hill, Debbie, phenomenal lady, woman of God. I knew him through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He went on to the coaching ranks and did college for a while, and then he went to an FCA camp and met a guy by the name of Tony Dungy. For those of you who are kind of NFL buffs, he was a coach at that time of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then he took the job at Indianapolis Colts, and he took Clyde with him to Indianapolis. And they went on to win a Super Bowl there. And then he went on to coach at Miami Dolphins for a while. And, and uh, now he's coaching in another place I'll tell you about in a moment. Do you realize the quarterback that he coached in Indianapolis was a guy by the name of Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning actually was led to the Lord by Clyde. And to this day, they have a very close, strong relationship. He went on to coach another guy by the name of Andrew Luck, who happened to be a pretty stout quarterback as well, and then to go to Miami. But then he got a job where he coached another guy you may have heard of, with a team called the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by the name of Tom Brady. Who would have ever thunk it? A man in his career would coach three studs like those guys, let alone the two best quarterbacks ever played the game. If Clyde was standing here today, he would tell you it's all about relationships. Listen to what these guys said about him. Peyton Manning, he's one of my favorite coaches of all times. I truly believe he embraces, another one said, embraces what it is, the idea of being a coach, a mentor, a solid rock in someone's life. Andrew Luck. He's a football guru. There's no scheme, no quarterback thing, no defense that he's not an expert in, yet he always starts with relationships. Guy by the name of Trent Dilfer, who quarterbacked. And finally, when I think about Clyde, a big smile comes to my face because he's a great coach. Obviously, he connects with people, but he's just one of the finest, kindest people I've ever met, Tom Brady. And here's what the LA Times said about that. As a coach, Christensen's guiding principle is to focus wholly on the task at hand and concentrate on relationships with his players as opposed to scanning the horizon for the bigger, better opportunity. And knowing Clyde like I do, he could have probably been a head coach in the NFL, but he chose to be a quarterback coach. And he has made an impact of eternal significance. But as most, one of the most humble men I've ever met, because why? His soul is healthy. How about you? It's funny, his grandson at five years old when he was with the Colts, big Colts fan, he said, Grandpa, how can you do this? 
you're coaching Tom Brady. He's the enemy. You can't coach because he played for the New England Patriots before he went to Tampa Bay, for those who may not know. And, it, and Clyde even told Brady about it, and Brady laughed. It's a relationship. How about you? Would you bow your head for a moment? I just want you to take a moment. I'm going to just time of rest and relaxation right now. Try to do your best to turn off all the tapes. And even don't even think about what's for lunch later or what you've got going this week. I believe as you're just, just resting right now, just closing your eyes, what I'm taking you through right now is a tool that I use a lot in my therapy in helping people to pay attention to where they are right now. Now, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to breathe deeply in. As you're breathing in, just want you to count to five. Until you're five, and then as you release it, count to five again. Again, you're just resting. You're just resting in him. You're in this present moment. You're paying attention to where you are. Keep the breathing, and you're just resting and relaxing in him. You're focused. Now I want you to ask a simple question. <clears throat> Father, what would you say to me right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Again, you're breathing, just resting. Can be sitting in that rocking chair, just rocking. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you said it so well. Come to you. All of us are weary and burdened. You promise you give us rest. And then you invite us to take your yoke upon you and learn from you. Because you are gentle and humble in heart. And Lord, we will find rest for our souls with you. For your yoke is comfortable and your burden is light. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you. I Thank bless you, Father. It's an honor to be with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people say, amen. St. Anaxius once said, a man and woman is fully alive. Fully alive when they what? Come to that place 
the glory of God being upon them. That's upon your soul as well. So I hope this has helped this morning. Thanks for listening into Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.